You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod. The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this like you know intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard to capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. It's true. It was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never <laughs> You won't make it in the future, do they? I don't think so, no. I am not a Tashi R fan. That's probably the nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, geek boys and girls. It is time for Geek Legacy's Escape Pod. Um, we are going to be just watching and reviewing and talking about all sorts of episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, uh, talking about whether they suck or whether they're actually pretty good. And, you know, we have been doing this for a few weeks now, and uh, we're still alive to talk about it. You know, things are getting excited. We're, we're doing episode 16 this week. And um, so far in the previous 15 episodes, we have eight nays and seven yays. We, we, we are almost even up, but this is the first time we've ever been this close uh, to evening things out with good episodes to bad episodes. And I am personally super stoked about it. Um, I have our two trusty co-hosts with me for this fine adventure. Uh, first of which, but not the least of which, is going to be one Mr. Justin Cavender. How are you doing this, this fine evening? I am fabulous, Randy. I hope you enjoyed the spreadsheet. Last time we recorded this, we talked of, of discussing who wrote these goddamn episodes, and now we have a complete spreadsheet that tells us the name of the episode, or like it's actually the the fucking episode number, the name of it, who directed it, who wrote it, and uh, whether we were a yay or a nay, which is nice. But then we also have recurring directors and recurring writers. So I am doing fabulous because of this. I love the data. I love data as well. Both the Android and the information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so the, the other, go. yeah, the the other voice coming at you through your computer is not the voice of the computer; it's the voice of one Mister David Edmondson. How are you doing tonight, sir? Offended, a little offended. So Justin is the first, and if he's not the least, that means I'm the least. So he he's the first <laughs> and the best. And so you're I, the well, last I'm, and I'm, the worst. I'm the Danny DeVito of this of this this cadre here. I mean, I could definitely be the worst. We all know I have the propensity to be the worst. If you listen to the Geek Legacy podcast proper, um, people are probably taking a big old steaming dump on my chest right now because of the fact that I'm not as into the Loki TV series as everybody else is. But that's a that's a whole story for another podcast. And and you want a real purge, and you don't watch Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> mm. So let's just keep going. Let's just say that my 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 ideals are controversial, and um, let's just say that I have a mind that is ahead of my time. There you go. I'll, I'll buy that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You guys may not enjoy it, but your kids, your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> kids are gonna love it. Oh, geez. how are you, Randy? I am great. I am super stoked to be talking about another episode of Star Trek. I apologize that we were not here for you guys last week. Um, we we had a run-in with the Klingons, and uh, there's only two things that happen in a situation like that. You either, you either fight a lot, or you drink a lot, or you do a lot of both. And let's just say that I blacked out to the point where I do not remember last week, so therefore we could not record a podcast for you all. 
But we are here with you, not with one, ep- with, not with two episodes, but with one, because we can really only handle one of these at a time. So <laughs> if we true. ever miss a week, we're not going to like double up on you guys or anything, because we are merciful. I like that. Um, and this week we have the we have the unprecedented opportunity that we have never had on this episode or on this podcast so far. We have the opportunity to even it out. We are currently at eight yays or eight nays, seven yays. We could we could even things out with episode sixteen here. Episode sixteen is called "When the Bow Breaks." Seems the like first a lot aired, of pressure. I know, right? It's a lot of pressure. It's kind of like being the firstborn. You have a lot of pressure on you. It first aired on the 13th of February, 1988. It has a 6.4 star rating, according to IMDb. Um, And the blurb is, a planet that was able to cloak itself for thousands of years suddenly reveals itself with its inhabitants proposing peace. But after initial negotiations, children of the Enterprise are kidnapped due to the infertility of the inhabitants. So that sounds fun. Uh, (laughs) That's certainly a sentence. So, yeah, so we have a writer and a director that have not written or directed any previous episodes of Next Generation. So um, we have fresh blood, so to speak, um, running the show. Uh, the director's name is Kim Manners. And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I noticed that this was definitely it had a different visual feel to it. There were a lot more wide angle close ups that uh, than there are usually uh, on the bridge. Like whenever something was happening, that's like they would shove a camera in, in somebody's face and, and get uncomfortably close on a really wide angle lens. And I noticed it a couple of times. What really drew my attention to it were shots of Worf in particular, because his cranial makeup, the, the prosthetics on his head, it looks really weird when you do a super close up on it, especially when it's all distorted on a super wide angle lens. I don't know if you guys picked up on that stuff, but I'm kind of a camera and lens geek. So that kind of mm-hmm. thing jumps out at me, but um, yeah, we saw all sorts of, of uh, fun, different things um, in this episode. Now, Justin, since you are the, the official uh, note taker and uh, data historian for this this endeavor that we call Geek Legacy's Escape Pod. Uh, what do you What do you have to say about this episode? He's a note taker, <laughs> note taker, heartbreaker, uh, kid stealer. Not really, but I couldn't think of anything else. Uh, you know, I thought I would hate this episode uh, because Wesley's sort of the uh, the hero of this one. You know, he kind of keeps the keeps a level head, uh, but. I feel like there's a lot to digest, and I'm always a fan of science fiction where a culture worships some form of uh, technology. Uh, You know, uh, something that we could kind of relate to in a weird way is like our cell phones. We have our phones everywhere. We take them everywhere we go. If we have a question, the first thing we do is whip out our cell phone and try and find the answer. And I feel like the custodian is very much the cell phone of fucking the Aldeans, and um, I kind of even got like a weird beneath the planet of the apes vibe where you know how those there's those uh, those humans that live underground that worship the the nuclear bomb. Um, mm. But of course, they had the radiation poisoning and their skin was all weird and gross. And we didn't really get that from this. But uh, there was definitely this this their culture had a shift and uh, they decided to be more simple because they were they used to be caught up in their ways and and they always wanted more. But by taking that stuff away and worshiping this custodian, 
they were actually killing themselves. And they're they're literally trying to preserve their race and doing whatever it takes to get it. But at the same time, uh, by doing so, they're actually annihilating their own race. So I do think that there was some really weird parallels that I was able to draw from from this episode, which uh, got me thinking a lot. For a 42-minute show or 44-minute show, whatever it is, uh, my mind was was wandering while things are are happening on screen. I actually had to watch it twice because I didn't remember what exactly happened because I was so distracted with my uh, my thoughts. So that's that's kind of where I was, first impression wise. I had to watch it twice. <laughs> no, well that, that's good. I, I kind of wish I would have watched it twice because um, I know I missed things my my first time around on it. Um, you know, there are always certain things that that catch me and certain things that I watch for in this first season. One of them is how Picard reacts around kids. And since this is such a child centric episode, um, seeing him be completely put off by children and not know how to act around them and be kind of uh, the disgruntled angry Picard that we've, we have grown to uh, appreciate uh, in this uh, season so far was kind of fun to see satisfying. Cause it, it was what I expected of a season one Picard. And you're right. Uh, Wesley being the the hero of the episode wasn't too bad. He was kidnapped along with a bunch of like 10 year olds. He was clearly the oldest quote unquote child to be, uh, uh, to be abducted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's kind of old. It's like uh, that kid in high school that's still trick or treating. You're like, right. Here, guy. <laughs> I'll just it's, give you candy. You don't got to dress up. Just here. It's like, it looks like he repeated more. fourth grade a few times, you know? <laughs> Like yeah. he's the only one that's uh, like able to like legally gamble and still in high school, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But um yeah, but but it didn't really bother me because uh it wasn't it wasn't obnoxious. Um and this was a time where his age actually kind his age and his maturity that he has uh worked in his to his advantage and it wasn't it didn't feel forced. Do we know how old he's supposed to be on this show? Have they ever shared his age? I I honestly don't know, but I get the impression that he's not old enough to go to Starfleet Academy, so he's not like 17 or 18 yet. He's probably like somewhere between 14 and 16. I think Hmm. think he's either either 13 or 14, somewhere in that neighborhood, because I know he's like an early, early teen. Okay. So um, he's just so much taller than all those other kids. He's so much older. 100%. yeah, so all the kids that are abducted from the ship uh, had specific traits, I guess, that the uh, the people who were selected to be like the, the, the surrogate parents, the Aldeans that were that were going to be the parents, that, that wanted, you know, like, we want somebody that's artistic, or we want somebody that can play musical instruments, or, you know, you know we want somebody that's really smart, but it's going to question everything. We got Wesley Crusher, yay. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I would not have been kidnapped. I'm a, I was a boring kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew what kind of episode it was going to be where the very first shot that you see is Riker just like walking down the hallway with his Riker swag and then all of a sudden the kid just like comes out of nowhere and just bowls into him. I'm like, "Oh, it's going to be one of those because you'll notice that we have we have not seen very many children um on the Enterprise in Next Generation. Like we saw that one playmate that that uh 
that Wesley had when they were doing the snowballs and everybody got sick with the virus on the on on the Enterprise. We saw him playing with some kid there, but other than that, it, it almost especially with the first few episodes with just the crew's reaction to Wesley Crusher being there, that it was like so fucking weird to have a kid on board. Now all of a sudden they're like they got daycares, they got a three ring circus, they got fucking you know mommy and me and all this shit going on on the Enterprise and what the fuck is this? You know, all of a sudden all these children are present when when maybe you saw one other than Wesley before. It just felt kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. What about you, Dave? Yeah, so I had a different I had some different reactions. Uh so so one of the things I really like about uh, the Enterprise is that it uh that it has families on it, you know. It's uh it's something that I think makes it unique. Uh you know, the original Enterprise from the original series was this very much a science vessel and it was very much, you know, dudes and ladies going out and doing science stuff and then always getting in trouble <laughs> having to defend themselves. Um, and then, but what I like about this is, you know, that it, you know, that they're able to, uh, you know, I think that people's family humanizes them, whether that's you, if you're someone who wants to have kids or not, if you want to get married or if you don't, maybe you're a sibling person or something like that. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it, it helps to balance you, you know, cause otherwise it's just a bunch of people on like, you know, basically a submarine, you know, you know, downtime's got to be pretty boring, you know, to where this is a great way to both, you know, give you that, that great off-duty time as well as, you know, an amazing experience for if you say you brought your children, you know, for them to be, you know, on a Galaxy-class starship going through the galaxy and seeing all of these great things. Uh, so so at the beginning when, the, when Henry, the kid, ran into Riker, I thought that was – I loved the scene. I thought it was a, a great exchange with Riker. It's like, I, yeah, you, you, like you hurt me or something, buddy. Um, you know, go about your business and stuff like that. But it really, really brought out like just just like next level. Like I, I don't know I don't know what their intention with John Luke Picard is from a writer's perspective. You know, I understand he's awkward around kids, but he actively seems to dislike them. And he and, he, and it's just I, I assume that the writers and the creators want to make, you know, the their lead character a likable person. You know, they want to give him, you know, likable traits, you know, and they're, they're doing a, a bang up job on Riker. You know, everything about Riker is, is he's great. He's likable. Um, you know, I, I get it that the, the captain needs to be a little bit above that. But, you know, at a certain point, they need to humanize him and remind us of why we should be listening to him as the, you know, the commander of the flagship of the Enterprise and stuff like that. And this episode really, really, made, I, I just didn't like Picard at all in this episode. There was just so many times where I just, I was just like, Mm, yeah, you're you're fuck, man. <laughs> I want you to get transported into space, and that way Riker has to take command of the Enterprise. <laughs> and uh, I hate saying that because I know what is to come for Picard. But uh, this was this was a real hard episode that I, I just didn't like Picard a lot of the times. Even when we went down to the planet, um, you know, his exchanges with um, Doctor Crusher and stuff like that. I just he just didn't come off well for me, and and he really really soured it soured a lot of a lot of. The, the lens at which I look at this episode through, um, but you know, good on Picard. I mean, good on Riker. You know, he's always the standout for me. You didn't, you didn't think that when he was telling Henry that you know I, you'll tell him yourself, I, and I'll tell him that I admire his son and his courage and all that stuff. That wasn't resonating with you at all. No, it, it, it for, for me it, it it did not feel. I mean, it definitely wasn't earned because we've seen Picard to be nothing but dicks to these kids. And, you know, even even when. 
you know, Wesley brought the one girl on the bridge at the end. He, his first reaction was to fucking yell at Wesley, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean that, that seems to be like the default mode for like most people on the crew just to yell at Wesley. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, if I had to give, you know, Picard one shiny moment, I guess, yes, that was not a, he wasn't being a total dickhead to him at that, that instant. So <laughs> he, he, he was a non dickhead for about two minutes in this episode. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Are you, Randy, uh, are you a fan of Picard at this point, or are you like David? I relate to him um, on a lot of levels. Um, but look at it this way. So what was Picard's previous ship? Was it the Stargazer he was serving on? Was That like that was a science vessel, so it probably didn't have a whole lot of families on it. Um, now, I don't I don't know. I'm just grasping at straws. I'm not looking at it. Like I mean, that. that was definitely one of his previous posts, and I, and I have no problem. He doesn't have to like, he doesn't have to be like, I don't expect them to be comfortable around kids, but like he shouldn't actively like hate them. No, I, I agree. He shouldn't actively hate them. And I, and I'm not saying I relate to that aspect of him, but if he's coming from like a very business oriented uh, post on a science starship, you know, and um, is all of a sudden on a ship that's got families and all this stuff that he's never had a chance to have himself. So he's kind of upset and a little bit, you know, maybe angry about that. And now he's got to deal with all these other people's kids when all he wants to do is just get the job done, you know, be his military self and not have to deal with a goddamn preschool on board his ship, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I, I totally understand where he's coming from and uh, why he can get just upset. Like, dude, why did they let fucking kids in the submarine? You know, and, and, and I'm totally fine with him being, like I said, being awkward around the kids because he hasn't had a lot of experience around them, but he shouldn't yeah. actively hate them. And so, so it leads me to think that Jean-Luc Picard may not be the best captain for the enterprise. If they've made the decision that the enterprise is going to have families, because True. if if he hates if he hates his officers' kids, he probably hates their spouses too. I'm just gonna go on a limb here. <laughs> I bet the yeah. only Picard hates all of the spouses and children on his ship. I'm I, I, I'm <clears throat> and, I mean he probably hates half his officers too. You know we've we've seen him be pretty dickish to a lot of his officers too. But um, you know I I I I'm just at this phase to where I I know that Picard dislikes so many people on his ship, and you know maybe I've never been a military person, never been in the military. I, I would just like to think that, you know, if I was on a ship, the captain would at least want to know that I was going to be alive tomorrow. You know, I think Picard's like, I can just jest and have these fucking people in this space and my life would not change at all. Right. I have to, maybe, I have to do some paperwork. That's about it. Maybe there should have been a post credit scene where he's Picard's like slipping the Aldean some money and uh, to <laughs> kidnap the kids. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I need these fuckers off these, my ship. <laughs> yeah. These are the problem ones. This one doesn't like calculus. He's not gonna. He's not officer material. You know, but take tall this kid. One. He's driving me crazy. <laughs> this well, one won't stop with the goddamn artist. saxophone. So just get rid of this one. <laughs> Fucking Lisa Simpson over here. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. Um, but as of right now, just watching it for like for the chuckles, um, I do enjoy watching him lose it at Wesley every once in a while because especially when it's not called for, like the end with the little girl, which is such an adorable scene, and the little tribble or whatever the hell stuffed animal she has in her hand somehow gets stuck onto Picard's back and they're all laughing at him. You know, that's why he hates his fucking crew. <laughs> I mean, everybody's <laughs> laughing at him and not filling him in on the joke and that kind Nobody of thing. Nobody respects him. Exactly. Oh, he's a slacker. You know? Yeah, Riker, exactly. won't even, Riker won't even let him go on away missions. Thinks he's too fragile. Yeah. 
Yeah. I did like his line, uh, you know, nothing's impossible. It's only impossible until someone does it. You know, that's that's a very powerful statement. Uh, we had that on a poster in Staples uh, back in the day. And uh, I remember the first time I saw that and I was just like, that's true. So it's only impossible until someone does it. And that's a good way to look at things like, you know, it's impossible today. But, you know, will it be tomorrow? And uh, I love that. It yeah, gives me that hope. is a great great phrase mm-hmm. yeah so um i don't know uh i had i had some fun with this episode um i'm not i'm, I'm still kind of on the fence how, how i'm gonna vote for this one i'm there not saying lot, we should there was a lot of creepy yet. like uh, like adults standing behind kids while they were doing stuff yeah <laughs> i was I, I'm not gonna lie, i was a little uncomfortable like when they were like uh like uh, when the one when Henry was like carving or something like that, and the one guy was yeah. like, right there. I'm like, give the fucking kid some space. I get it. You want it. The director wants you in the frame, but <laughs> you're creeping me out. Yeah, it's like like mail order children, like with with specialized talents, that kind of thing. Like that's fucking weird, you know. Um, <laughs> what do you call no matter that? how you look, a dolphin. At it. Right. I mean, I think. I, I, well, I agree. It, it looks a little weird and off putting on screen, but. For someone that maybe they've wanted kids for so long, and then now they they have one, right? Uh, they they didn't go through the proper channels and, and adopt. You know, it was stolen. But I mean, uh, they are they are so excited because, as far as they're concerned, that this child is going to be theirs forever. You know, they're they're not privy to these negotiations that are happening, or it's already a done deal. It's like we got your kids; it's all there is to it. And uh, the level of excitement that exists in them, it's like when you get. Uh, I, I don't have kids, so the only thing I can equate it to is like when you got that, like when I got my dog, when I rescued Rizzo, it was like one of the best days of my life. I was like, I know that this puppy, or she was, she was four when I got her, but she's always a pup, right? So uh, when I got her, I knew that whether I had her for 10 years or 20 years or, or six months, it was going to be the best that she was ever going to have. And I was going to be her best friend. I was going to be there for everything that she needed. When she fell, I was going to be there to pick her up and it was going to be amazing. And I couldn't wait to just get her home and, and take naps together and snuggle buddy together. And, and I loved every, I was, I was in her space. She was, she was scared and trying to just understand that I'm in a new home and what am I going to do? Is this, is, am I in danger? Am I safe? You know, she had a lot of questions and, and I just wanted to just be her best friend. So I saw kind of a lot of myself in the in the dad that was looking at uh, Henry Carve. I was like, oh, man, I know what that feeling is like. Just like, like, hey, I got you this toy. Isn't it amazing? Don't you love it? Aren't you just so excited to have this squeaky ball? Isn't this the coolest thing in the world? And so for me, that was a little bit relatable because right. I had something new in my life that I was so happy and so proud to, to have Rizzo and be there for her. Just wait till you have a real kid. You'll be even better. Yeah. Now, now, now imagine the excitement in that scenario, but imagine instead of adopting Rizzo, you went to your neighbor's house and stole their dog. Right. No, I, I get it. I mean, that's, that's weird. And it's, but that's, that's what's, the, that's what's interesting about these people, right? Because uh, we, we've seen a thousand movies where uh, once this survivor instinct kicks in and the survival of the species, people will do some terrible things, uh, whether it's to get away or maybe it's to, to have a victory of some kind, people will do something out of character uh, when it comes to survival. I mean, we saw it 
with this pandemic, you know, like uh, people fucking going to buy toilet paper and hoarding different masks and, and, and thing and sanitizer and just people being uh, not themselves. They're, they're literally taking a step out of their body and becoming something else on a primal level of survival. And so I do think that when that element exists, uh, that you will do things out of character. And in this case, it was, uh, you know, kidnapping kids, not worrying about how do my actions affect others. It was just, I need the survival of our people, so I'm going to take this kid. Like the Binars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And I think the Aldeans considered themselves superior over the they Federation did. and over humanity. So it's like, well, clearly we're more important. So I don't know why you're so upset about this. And it was we're interesting. Yeah, it's like we're gonna give you money. It's like don't worry about it. We're gonna you know throw a few bucks your way. We're gonna but take I, care of you on the back end. Don't worry. The, there was something that Counselor Troy said that really stuck with me, and when she was talking to the Aldeans, saying that humans are unusually attached to their offspring, making mm-hmm. it sound like most other races around the galaxy aren't, and that kind of made me think a little bit. Like, why? Why is that? You know, or why are the other races not as, or species, I guess, technically, not as um, attached to their offspring as we tend to be? Um, right. Is it because they, they they are so vulnerable for so long? They nurse for so long? They, they need protection from the outside world for so long before they can be left to their own that we have all that time to bond to them so we feel biologically that we have to be there and we have to protect them? Um, or is it is it something else? Right. And that's a really good question because um, it's one of those things where like, you know, some animals, you know, lay some eggs and then they hatch and then they go off and they do their own. They go off on their own adventures. Right. Right. From birth. Right. You're like, oh, shit, this is happening. Vegas, baby. Ron Springer. (laughs) And uh, they're super excited. And uh, I I think that's strange. Yeah. But then like elephants, you know, they they're. They have they're pregnant for something like ninety months or something like that. It's a long or ninety weeks, and it's a yep. long time, you know. And, and they're together forever. Humans, same thing. Kids go away to college and they move back into their fucking families again. And you're like, dude, I thought I got rid of you. What's what's, what's this problem? But yeah. you know, some of the some of the alien races might be like fucking snakes, where they hatch, they lay some eggs, the things hatch, and they go off on their adventures. Or like turtles, and they go off and they run into the water, and then that's it. It's this is how it goes. And I think that's you can imagine- quantity too is that you know humans, you know, you're only gonna have, you know, a couple to where you mentioned like snakes and turtles and stuff like that who lay a ton of eggs and you know, in theory have, you know, many, many offspring, you know, like sharks and stuff like that. You know, they have many, many offspring, so they're they're less attached to it to where, you know, uh you know we are mammals who who carry our young inside of us, uh, our babies inside of us, and you know, we only have a couple goes arounds with them, so I think uh, I think we do a better job of like see. I think we see ourselves in our offspring to where I can see an advanced civilization, you know, that probably you know, and, and we also reproduce, you know, carnally to where I would I would wager a guess that a lot of these advanced civilizations who maybe don't put the same emphasis on the importance of their children probably conceive in a lab, so it's a lot more clinical, a lot more sterile. They don't do it the good old fashioned fun way, um, and uh, driving, yeah. <laughs> I guarantee Ferengi's fucking. They would have no trouble <laughs> sharing yeah. their offspring. <laughs> the females don't even wear clothes. Remember, they're just ready to go. Yeah. You did bring up an interesting point, Randy, about uh, the Aldeans uh, 
at least gave us the perception that they are a superior race and that I was thinking that maybe, you know, I'm talking about stepping out of character. And I think that once, once they decided to go down this other route and start to worship the custodian and have this minimalist thing, I think that was them stepping out of their character. Right. That was when the, the dynamic shifted and then it has since evolved. Um, right. When their scientists no longer studied science and kind of worshipped right. this machine. 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I mean, I know we haven't voted yet, but just the very idea that we're talking about all this stuff tells me that it has a lot to it. Even if it's not a good episode per yeah. se, I love yeah. the conversation that we're having. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, and, and see, that's the thing. Even some of the episodes that I've voted nay on uh, throughout this, this whole uh, series so far, it has brought up some really interesting conversations that maybe if I were to go around and look at it again through your eyes, through the lens that you've presented to me, then it would it would cause me to rate things differently from back then. So yeah, this this open discourse is really it's showing that even even if we maybe didn't connect with an episode, that at least it has something to say, and that something to say is worth talking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not even to be a devil's advocate in any, by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, good science fiction gets my brain thinking, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, what is going on? Like, I love I, I love trying to find meanings on stuff when it, that isn't there because it connects with me on a different level. You know, I immediately start thinking about, um, you know, how does this, uh, similar to some experience that I had. And I think that's what makes a good episode for me is when, when I'm able to step outside for a second and just be like, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Even though this, the Aldeans aren't terribly interesting people per se, but I, uh, I do like the idea of, of this whole planet that is fighting for survival that's willing to just fucking kidnap kids and say fuck off. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. And they didn't even have a boogeyman way about them. You know, it's not like they were scary people that took off their faces or, yeah. or wanted to eat these kids. They just looked they like were, us. Yeah, I thought that was pretty strange. I was I was waiting for some sort of weird boogeyman uh, approach to them, but there was nothing inherently like evil with these people. They were just, um, you know, on a different plane of 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 existence as far as their superiority goes. Yeah, the, I think the scariest thing about them was how sure they were that what they were doing is right, and right. that there was that's, no that's changing terrifying. their mind. Even even at the end, when when Doctor Crusher was like, "Hey, we we figure out what's wrong with you guys. We've come up with a solution, and we can actually heal you, and maybe you'll be able to to uh, procreate on your own." That kind of thing. You just have to shut down the shields and all the stuff all around your planet that this giant nuclear thing is running or not nuclear, but this, this radioactive thing is running. Right. So it's like, you guys got to kill all that, but Hey, you'll get, you'll be, you'll be healthy again. We can cure you. They didn't even want to have anything to do with that. You know, that's how set in their ways they are. And that's, and, and I mean, that could be like a little bit of a social commentary too, for like any, any society or any group of people that are so set in their ways that even when they are faced with their own extinction, that they're not willing to listen to somebody else that might have somebody that they think is lower than them that might actually have a life-saving solution. That says a lot about that civilization. Maybe they shouldn't exist. Right. And, and you know, that that's at the very end, the guy's like, you know, yes, we accept your help, you know, teach us yeah. how to be better. And I'm like, there's no fucking way that conversation would ever happen. 
I mean, yeah. we we were talking about that last or two weeks ago with the the debate between like Bill Nye the Science Guy and that one religious dude. And I do think that this is literally the exact same thing. You have science in one corner and religion in the other, and it is a very long battle. It's like 15 rounds of a Rocky movie, and it, it's it's hard to find a winner. And I think that Star Trek went the easy route with this guy being like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and show us how to be better and to, to live our <laughs> lives? And I'm just like, no fucking way that that would happen in a million years. Yeah. And what was the solution? Like reseeding their ozone layer or something like that? So yeah. that the uh, the radiation wasn't yeah. Ridiculous. So yeah. I don't know. I I feel like we're getting close to being able to vote on this one. David, how are you feeling? Do you have any last thoughts you want to get out? I don't. Picard's a dick. I don't know what the writer's thinking. Should have made him more likable. Well, luckily, it seems that they course correct <laughs> eventually. We just have to sit here and hold our breath until it happens. Right. No, I'm so, just thinking of it from like a television show. You know, like it, yeah. it is a television show with protagonists and antagonists. And you're supposed to like the protagonists and dislike the antagonists. And while there are always going to be shades of gray, I'm just trying to, I, I'm just grasping at straws of, you know, what Rose. makes what makes uh, <laughs> what makes Picard like someone that I want to root for. And every so often he'll give us a slight glimpse, um, but he just uh, he just keeps uh, keeps pushing us back down those stairs. If you catch my drift, is it is it a product of the '80s though? Like where the boss is just always yelling at everybody, and it's just a, like a grumpy asshole. Like isn't that how it was in like all the movies? Like all the all the cop shows, the the captain was always kind of an yeah, asshole. To to be macho, you kind of had to like put everybody else down and put them in their place kind of thing. Yeah, maybe maybe they went well, with that approach at first. That. This is the 23rd century. Yeah, but it's still right. 80s writers. Oh, I know. But I mean, we have we had the blueprint from the original series and stuff like that, and I, I understand they're trying to do something different, but, you know, I would I would say that, that Kirk was likable. You know, he had his proclivities, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, he was the, the, the hero for that show, uh, and, you know, he got said treatment for that right i just think that the 80s like the decade of the 80s the boss was just a fucking asshole in in everything in in mm. tv and in and in movies i just feel like it was always whoever was in charge was a dick yeah <laughs> and they were always just ball busting <laughs> looking out for themselves kind of thing yeah and i and i think that maybe maybe we'll even see it in season two where uh it hasn't happened yet but we'll make a note of when uh, what we believe to be the turn of the tide for Picard to where he figures out how he wants to play this character. Or uh, or maybe there's an event that happens to his character that kind of changes him internally. And maybe when we were younger fought, watching this the first time around, we never saw it, noticed it, connected with it. But maybe now that we're kind of looking for it, maybe we can find that turning point for him. There I think that would be exciting if there lights. is one. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's I'm, not I'm until looking, way later. Yeah, I know. For that Michael Scott moment, you know, that, that yeah. season two Michael Scott moment where, like, they're like, oh, it's okay for us to like you, Picard. Yeah. So, and I wonder if that's uh, saying that right there, liking him. I wonder, I wonder if maybe the writers 
like collectively over the first season if like it was like in their story bible like this is a, a actual plot line that they wanted to explore and maybe kind of like drifted away from but maybe they wanted us to kind of suspect picard or not fully trust him or not really fully like him because maybe he was going to be like a mole on the inside or something like that I, w- I wonder if that was a thought that ever crossed their mind and that's why they kind of had him playing it the way he is because when you look at it they make wesley crusher a very relatable character you know they're making toys for the for the show they're really kind of trying to market this to kids to the old school star trek fans as well but it really felt like they were trying to get kids on board with this and if you got somebody that is so blatantly against kids um and treats wesley so poorly maybe they were just trying to send the signals that hey maybe this guy can't be trusted and and just uh, to to lay the seeds of some kind of betrayal later on down the road that they maybe kind of toyed with a little bit with with the Borg when he went to Locutus of Borg, but um, they never really fully committed to. I don't know. It seems like seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it seems I, like I, going. I, mean, to- I mean, I think I think he's the top build star and the the main character of the heroes of the show. Um, maybe uh, maybe I'm just too black and white with everything. I just don't think he's figured out how to play. I don't think any of them have figured out how to play themselves yet. I think it's still, I know it's 15 episodes in or 16 episodes in now, but uh, who knows the order in which these were written and shot. Um, and, and Oh, that's really I, good when you think about it. Yeah. Sometimes they bang these out like four or five in a row and then they reorganize how they want to air them. Um, but I, I think, I think we're getting close. I, do, I honestly think we're getting close to everyone figuring out their place on the ship right and i think on the page it's i think picard is a dick on page you know i mean he's i'm sure in the in control the scripts call for him to yell at wesley on an, on a, on a yeah. seemingly episodic basis uh you know to where i think it's things like uh like Riker that's you know um jonathan franks is making choices you know to where it's still on the page but he's he's making these these charismatic choices and and flares that probably aren't in his aren't, aren't on the page you know like when he was on that planet with all like the women like, that was controlled by the women and he had like you know he had this little outfit you know he had it he had it opened up a little bit more probably and stuff like that or uh you know eventually when he starts like stepping over chairs which i can't wait i'm just waiting for the first time he does that mm-hmm. uh you know into uh, it's where i think a lot of the actors are making choices and uh uh i don't know if it's if it's uh patrick stewart's like uh, real formal training um, that you know he's playing it stiff, like 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 maybe he is thinking like uh, like Randy's saying that you know he's that that captain of a 17th century French galleon or something like that. He has to be he can't uh, consort with uh, you know the officers you know because he has to be above reproach and he needs to have mm. something like that. So I, I I I don't know. I just know that I, I I love Picard as a character and I want to like him, but he's making it very hard for me. <laughs> Well, it's going to be sweet when it, when when you start to see it again. Yeah, yeah, the Picard that you think you know is going to show up eventually. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping there is a, a turning point moment. I I would really love to be able to put my finger on it and say this: this is the episode where he goes through some shit and he softens. You know, um, yeah, definitely. So let's go ahead and kick off the voting. Um, I'll go ahead and start this one. Um, I wasn't. I will tell you that you guys changed me. I wasn't this vote going into it. Going into it, I was a nay. But after after all the discussion that this has sparked, this has actually become a yay episode for me. 
Wow. What about you, Dave? You want to go next? I think I always go next. Uh, sure, I can definitely go next. Uh, I, I'll keep it. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious which way I'm going. I am. A, I'm. I'm a nafer, but uh, I am. A, I'm a nay for everything I've said earlier. So I'll keep it quick. Okay, it sounded like you were going to cut out at just the right moment to, to yeah. hear what you were about. <laughs> Justin and I were holding our breath. All right, well, so, that means you're going to be the tiebreaker, Justin. All right, so I'm, I'm actually a yay. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this discussion. I, I love I love chatting with you guys about this stuff, um, and uh, I think it's been a lot of fun. So we are, for the very first time ever since the show began, when we started Equal, we are Equal once again. We are eight yays and eight nays for all of you keeping track at home there. Um, and I, I will point out, even though we're, we're kind of uh, done discussing the meat and potatoes of the episode, you mentioned something about uh, looking forward to uh, seeing Riker stepping over his, his chairs and that kind of thing. At the beginning of this episode, when he's kind of sauntering down the hall and gets hit by the kid and he starts limping through the bridge, it was never it was never before then that I realized how tall he was. And I think maybe because be, because they wanted to have this episode kind of from a child's point of view, they had the camera at a really low angle. So looking up at him when he's walking down the hall, he looks fucking huge. And then when he's stepping out of the turbo lift onto the, onto the bridge, he looks huge. And then to see him kind of limping around, I'm like, this is the birth. Like any minute now, we're going to see him stepping over the chair. Because I thought he was... I didn't realize that the kid hit him hard enough for him to be limping. And it was like uh, Counselor Troy or somebody called him out on, hey, why you, why you got a limp? Um, but but that low angle and realizing how tall he was and seeing him all hunched over, I'm like, this is the beginning of his back issues that cause him to, to you know hobble over his chairs. Uh, so I, I have a feeling that's going to start soon, too. Uh, I know it's just kind of a, a random aside, but I, I got excited by that fact. <laughs> so, um, all right, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say that uh, in our spreadsheet, I have a special column that says Lone Wolf, where someone that uh, didn't agree with the other two. And uh, if you want to know the numbers on those, uh, so like in, in, in this case, you know, David was a, a nay while Randy and I were a yay. So David would be classified as a Lone Wolf for this one. So uh, David has uh, been Lone Wolf twice. Randy has been Lone Wolf twice. And I... <laughs> I have been Lone Wolf three times. You guys have disagreed with me. I think that that's kind of funny. How many were all the Lone Wolf's nays? Uh, so let's see here. Uh, not necessarily. No. So the, well, let me see here. So Code of Honor, that was a nay and you were the Lone Wolf on that one. So yeah, you would have been, that was a nay one. Uh, there is a couple of yays. Uh, so the last two yays, uh, Randy was a lone wolf last week with uh, too short a season, and uh, you were the lone wolf uh, for a yay episode. Wait, Co- uh, was, which week. one was Code of Honor? Was that the one where they like Tasha Yar fought with the funny thing on her arm? Yeah, yeah, you liked it. The catcher's mitt. I went back and listened to all the verdicts. <laughs> Yeah. Was yay on that? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. You see, well, you said I was lone. I thought you said I was lone wolf with a nay on that one. Okay. Yeah. No. So, so that one we voted nay. It is a nay episode, but you voted yay on it. You were the lone wolf with the yay vote. Yeah. Must must have been something with Riker. 
Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Riker makes yeah. every episode better. <laughs> yeah, where no one has gone before was a nay episode, but I wanted a yay. Um, the battle was a nay episode, but I apparently I wanted a yay. Um, and then Angel One was a nay, but Randy wanted a yay. And then Too Short a Season was a yay, but Randy wanted a nay. And when the battle breaks was a yay, and David wanted a nay. We only have a few unanimous ones. We have one, two, three, four, five. Wait, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We have nine uh, where all three of us voted uh, one way or the other. You know, unanimous. So nine out of 16, so that's just over half. Yeah. yeah. So we've been split on the others. That's interesting. Uh, I appreciate you keeping track of that. That definitely makes things uh, a little bit easier. Easier yeah. to track, easier to see where the trend is going, and to see who uh, who usually tends to be the lone wolf. It sounds like we're just about all equal. Yeah, right now three, two, and two. So yeah. that's fair because uh, that's just where we're at right now. It's crazy. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. Bet, and then we should make a note anytime. Uh, I haven't done this yet. I think this is the first time where we've actually converted someone from a nay to a yay. Uh, so maybe I'll make a note of that too, like a conversion. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actively prepared to nay this one uh, when yeah. we started recording, but uh, yeah, just talking about it so much, it's like, damn it, you know, Star Trek just gets me. <laughs> yeah, even e- even the episodes that aren't particularly great, which I will acknowledge, this isn't particularly great, but it's got something worthwhile at its roots, which is what changed my vote. I should have tried harder, I guess. <laughs> But I mean, speaking of roots. About, about about hating kids, I'm like, yeah, I can't sway Randy on that one. Yeah, I don't hate I don't hate kids. <laughs> Let me go on record and say, just because I don't have them and will never have them, I don't hate them. Um, I just like animals. Uh, so next episode, home soil, and here's the blurb. On Villara 3, Jordy and Data discover a microscopic life form responsible for the death of an engineer stationed on the base. It's rated 6.8 stars, so um, it's rated a little bit higher than this week's episode was. And um, let me see the director information and see if it's uh, a re- repeat visitor that we can look forward to. Um, no, it looks like a first-timer, so I don't know what to expect. No, I take it back. It's the same guy that directed uh, Encounter at Farpoint, Corey Allen. It's his first time back since the uh, the series debut. Ooh. So, um, so we have that to look forward to next week. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to reconvening in this tiny little cramped escape pod with you boys next time around. Uh, until then, if you guys uh, have a flair for the geeky and uh, you want to listen to some more podcasts while you're out on the road or doing whatever it is that you do that you like to listen to stuff, uh, check out the Geek Legacy podcast where we talk about all sorts of stuff that's in the uh, current pop culture realm. Um, usually it has to be geeky to fall under there. But uh, yeah, we talk about all sorts of uh, movies and TV and shit. So uh, check it out. Star Trek isn't isn't always the only thing that we, uh, we wax geeky about. So uh, come have fun with us elsewhere. And until then, I will see you next time.